All right, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, for sure. Man, if you can't sense the presence of God in this place this morning, you better check yourself because we're going to have to start, we'll have to throw some dirt on you. You might just be dead, right? Is the, is the Lord in this house here today? I am so appreciative of, of that spirit of worship. That's the way our God should be worshiped, right? This is the way our Jesus should be being worshiped everywhere in this world at all times, and someday he will. Someday that's the way it will be. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? So it's wonderful to, to, just to see the church enter in that spirit. And I want to commend, you know what I mean? I, I, I have plenty of times when I may have a word, a, a little word of correction or direction or whatever, it may, but this is just a, a total word of like, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it, to enter into that spirit together and then just be able to worship the Lord. I also have to say how much I appreciate the worship team and the work that they do, all the work that goes on to make it all happen, <clears throat> the, the abilities that God has given to everybody up here. Thank you, Jesus. We are, we are very blessed in your presence here this morning, O oh Lord God. Now, we got a word for you here today. We're in Advent, I think. I think we got a word for you. working? Not working. Any idea what that might be there, Danny? This, this has to happen, though. This has to happen, right? What just happens, way too good. Okay, so some, some little gremlin from down below has figured, okay, send him up there quick and mess up the uh, audio-visual system but we'll get there. Got any idea what's happening? Or can you just put up the, the first slide? There we go. Um, yeah, for whatever reason. We probably just don't have enough money to buy another battery for the, only kidding. Oh, oh, thank you, John. The, bat the, the battery is working because I noticed the laser is working. So we'll see. All right, Advent. Week two, give me a title on that, would you? Press the forward button. <laughs> Hope, the promise, of Chris, uh, the promise of Christmas. Hope, the promise of Christmas. Advent, last week we started the, we're going to try to, thank you, sir. Let's see if it actually happens. Oh, how sweet it is. Okay, well, we'll go back. Um, thank you, John. I don't know where I would be without all of the wonderful people that God has brought together in this church doing this and doing that and making this happen and that happen. Uh, we are so blessed. Okay, hope, the promise of Christi Christmas. Um, as we get into this whole Advent season, this time of preparation for the coming, the, the birth of our Lord, um, 
we can, we can get kind of caught up in the Christmas season and all the stuff that has to be done and all the, the accoutrements of Christmas. It's great, it's wonderful. Parties, book and presents, people, all these kinds of things that are gonna be part of this season celebration. But in reality, and I hope to be able to, to communicate this this morning, Lord willing, um, we are into such, when we start in with this whole idea of Christmas, we are into a deep, deep, deep story. I mean, a story that goes to the very core of our humanity, even deeper. It goes to the very core of the divinity of, the, of, of God himself. It goes down to the very centerpiece of his plan. It sets forth everything that he has yet to do. It is this, it, it, in, a, in, a, in a way, it's very similar to what happens there in Luke chapter two, where those shepherds are sitting there and it's just dark and it's night and they're done and they're probably just kind of chilling a little bit or they're just relaxing or what have and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shone around about him and they were very afraid but the angel said don't fear for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you this day is born in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord oh and this is how you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. When you go to Bethlehem, you'll see that baby lying in a feeding trough, and then you'll know. So it, and, and then suddenly, it says, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts saying, glory to, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men of goodwill. And the shepherds all, and then they're gone. What a night. Huh? What an experience. But we are just into the deepest possible thing. Um, I get my, my mouth gets dry. So that's where I want us to go. And, and this idea, um, what, I, what I'm hoping to present this morning, is this idea of hope. Hope. That hope has come into the world. Last week we looked at Advent, and we said, the, as, a, as a starting point, Advent is about absence. It's about darkness. It's about silence. It's about loneliness. It's about 400 years of God having nothing to say to humanity. 400 years of people waiting, wondering. 400 years of them feeling what we sing in that great Christmas carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Right, so this, this, this deep sense of like, oh, send us some help. Send us, send us somebody to, to fix this mess down here, to fix this darkness. And, and, and the world into which Jesus came um, was a dark, dark world. A brutal world, really. We live in an easy world by comparison today. We got all kinds of gadgets and things to make our life easy, and I love them. They're all great. Drive around in a nice car, go anywhere you want to. I mean, there are just so many cool things that are at our disposal, available to us all the time, right? But they, Jesus was born into a dark, brutal world where, there, where, where there was, there's no police, there's no comforts, there's just the raw business of survival, really the raw business of just eking out a living. And so into that dark, dark world comes Jesus to bring hope. Emmanuel, God with us. We cannot live without hope. That's a true statement. 
We cannot live without hope. It is said that you can live 40 days without food. You can live about three days without water. You can live about, about four minutes without air. But you can't live in any real sense, in any true sense of what living means, you can't live without hope. Maybe you felt that at some point. Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky wrote, to live without hope is to cease to live. Isn't that true? Now most of us have probably never felt like utter hopelessness, utter despair. Maybe you have, maybe some have here. Maybe you've really been to that. But all of us have tasted of that in some situation or another, where some, something was so out of control, something was so broken, something was so messed up, and you just, you felt just utterly hopeless, and you couldn't fix it, you couldn't do anything about it, and you just felt utterly impotent and unable. You were hopeless. And that kind of hopelessness just breaks you down inside into, into deep defeat and discouragement, depression, all those things attend that sense of hopelessness. And so into this hopeless world, into this dark world, into this lonely world, into this silent world comes the promise of Christmas. And the promise of Christmas, the Lord Jesus himself brings hope. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> Our, um, out, so out of that, that, that first week of hopelessness and despair and absence and longing and silence, um, God brings his gift of Christ. He brings the promise. It is one of many promises scattered throughout the Old Testament. And we're going to look at that one today. It is our um, text for this month. It's uh, Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to get there in just a minute. But that text itself reflects that, that gloomy state of being that, um, that, that I'm kind of referring to in terms of the, the whole beginning of this season, like out of the darkness. And the text itself, Isaiah chapter 9, reflects that. And the text before it, Isaiah chapter 8, reflects it even more. It's a very dark story. It is Isaiah, actually, Isaiah predicting terrible destruction that is about to come. Isaiah is, is predicting, predicting or prophesying a destruction that is going to happen and did happen in 722 B.C. In 722 B.C., the Assyrians came and destroyed the northern ten tribes of Israel, carried them away captive, pretty much gone. They are known in history as the lost tribes of Israel. They were assimilated to, into Assyria and just wound up wherever they wound up. And so, um, so Isaiah is prophesying this, and um, I'll get into chapter 9, but I couldn't resist reading to you chapter 8, just so you can get the feeling. <clears throat> the title here is, uh, this is chapter 8, if you have your Bible, you can read along with me, um, I'm starting in verse 11, but just, just catch the feeling, just catch the feeling. For the Lord spoke thus to me, with his strong hand upon me, and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense 
and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be ensnared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and of the necromancers and that chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no light in them. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry, they will be enraged, and they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God, and turn their faces upward, and they will look to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Pretty dark passage, right? Where he's telling, he's saying to the people of Israel, and particularly to the people of northern Israel, hard times are coming. Rough times are coming. That is chapter eight, the latter portion. Now, we'll get into chapter nine, because chapter nine speaks into that. It speaks directly into that last passage, that gloom, that darkness, that absence, that longing, that loneliness. Okay, so here we go <clears throat> with, Acts, with Isaiah, I'm sorry, chapter 9. Nevertheless, that time of darkness, oh, this, this first verse is a New Living Translation. I'm, everything else that I'm bringing up there is uh, all New King James. Um, but this, is, I, this, this just translates it better. The, the uh, New King James would be a little harder to get the to get the meaning out of. Nevertheless, that, ta- that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. <clears throat> and then we, that brings us into our text here <clears throat> this morning. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. Then there are a number of verses in between here which which talk about the blessings, the benefits that are going to be coming to this people who have walked in this darkness for a long time. And and here's, here's the answer that comes from the Lord. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now there's a whole lot more we want to get to, but I want to I want to adjust something, if I may, Um, because in in the King James, there are commas in all those places that I added commas, which kind of separate all those thoughts. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But, of course, commas or quotation marks or, or punctuation in general is not in the Bible. There is no 
punctuation like that to actually divide one thing from another. <clears throat> so that's just the translator's decision. And I think the, the King James translators got this one wrong because that first title should be Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful in counsel. Putting those two terms together. And then it, it fits better, too, with the overall um, <clears throat> the sequence of the, of the phraseology works better. So let me, let me redo it. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, I don't have any problem calling Jesus Wonderful. Jesus is absolutely the wonder of wonders. Jesus is totally wonderful. He's a mixture of wonder and amazement. This, this is kind of the notion that we find behind the word this often, that we often find in the Bible, the word, about, the word glory, right? The glory of Jesus. The, the thing that brings a person glory, Greek doxa, the thing that brings that is amazement and wonder, right? Like looking at it and thinking, wow. And Jesus is a big time wow. He is a monster Wow, and everything about him, it, we're into a deep, deep story here about the, the, the most incredible thing that has ever happened. <clears throat> so, uh, one, but, it, but in this particular case, those two words I think should be joined. I put parentheses around them just to know, you'll know that that's my little addition, but it's, it's translated like that in, in lots of translations. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and then it goes on. Now again, this is Isaiah. Get the, t get the setting. He's, <clears throat> he, he's talking about difficult times that are coming. Gloom and despair. People talking conspiracies. But then the picture changes. And the whole picture changes because of this statement or this, pro this word of prophecy given to Isaiah. So we take it to the, to the rest of it. <clears throat> of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. Okay, so God has just declared his intention of what he's going to do about the messed up world, what he's going to do about the broken, and as I said last week, more than broken, the evil world that we are passing our way through. God has, God has decided to use his secret weapon. Unto us a child is born. Isn't that just like God? Right? Isn't that just like God? I know, what, I know what's going to fix this. A little baby. I'm going to send them a little baby, and there'll be no room for that little baby in the end, and it's going to be quite an interesting story. And so this is God declaring his intention. This is God declaring invasion. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will... Um, there upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Now, what do the people of the world, what do we have to do in order to make this happen, in order um, 
you know, what kind of, what, what, is, what is God counting on man to do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He's going to handle the whole thing top to bottom. He's going to begin it, run it through, and bring it to completion. He's going to be the alpha and the omega. He's going to be the beginner and the ender of the whole thing. He's not asking anything of man. How do I know that? Look at that last line. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, God is saying, I got my agenda, and my agenda will be accomplished. It's very similar to that Psalm 2. I love the whole Psalm 2 picture. <clears throat> you know, He that sits in the heaven will laugh. Then he will, then he will speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure, saying, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The old Bob Dylan song <clears throat> from Slow Train Running, I think, he says, for every earthly plan, that be known to man, he is unconcerned. He's got plans of his own to set up his throne when he returns. Right? In other words, God's plan is laid out, and this is a declaration. Boom! This is a declaration. This is a statement to the world. This thing is going to be corrected for the moment. Satan is still the God of this world. We must never forget that. Satan is the engine. He's the mastermind. He's, he is the, the whole design underneath all of the craziness of this fallen world. It's all by his design. It's all by his instigation. It is all by his manipulative effort that he keeps this thing going. But he's on notice. He's on notice. <clears throat> so anyway, <clears throat> now usually when we tell the, the story, the Christmas story, um, the, the, the story of Christ's birth, we can choose from any number of familiar stories and familiar settings that we find in Scripture. A ton of, of different images. Most of them are wonderful. Most of them are a delight to preach. We could go to the Annunciation. And of course, this is where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Greetings to you, Mary. You have found favor in God. <clears throat> and, and, be, and tells her that she is going to have a baby. How can this be, says Mary, since I, I don't know a man? He says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. The, the holy, the, the, that holy one that shall be born of you will be called the son of God. And you will call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from the... So we, that, that's a great... That's a, that's, a, that's a message. We could easily go to that one. And maybe we will. We could talk, last week we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how they were kind of representative of that whole old covenant, an, an older couple never having had any children, never having, having no hope of family and future and all those kinds of things. And in the midst of all of this, an angel appears to Zechariah and tells him that they're, they're going to have a child. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of absurd. It's kind of ridiculous. But that's another great story. <clears throat> we could talk about the decree that was given by Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so the message goes out and everybody has to travel. And so Mary and Joseph, they have to go to Bethlehem. And that's a wonderful story. But when they get there, there's no room. And they find themselves in a stable somewhere. <clears throat> and Jesus is laid in a feeding trough. Or that one brings us to the whole story of the shepherds who are waiting on the hillside. And all of a sudden, these people, these angels show up and, and they're blown away and mesmerized, amazed by, and afraid, terribly afraid of, of what this is that they're seeing. And the, another great story, we get to the wise men. We don't want to forget about the wise men. And did you know there are actually three wise women in the story? I oh, will save that one for another time. Let's drop that. 
<clears throat> I'm sure, the, ladies, would you like to know about the three wise women? Yes. I'm sure you would. All right. <clears throat> well, anyway, <clears throat> so many wonderful stories to choose from, but we get back to our text. This one begins, as I said, with, that, with, with a picture of gloom. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. We're, we're living right now in some gloomy times, aren't we? We can relate to this. Do you feel that? Do you feel that fear? You feel like when things have come and gone, things have been put into the mix. We've got falsehood seemingly all around us. We've got a media that never focuses on things that ought to be corrected and should be corrected and need to be corrected, but talks about We are living in, in a, a gloomy, the whole, the whole COVID thing brought that, all the masking associated with it. And, 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 and I'm, I'm sure that others are planned. Other such events are in the planning phases. And so we live in kind of gloomy, scary times. But out of this dark hopelessness, out of, out of the, you notice that he, he spoke I, um, and said, don't, don't get into the conspiracy thing. Don't, you, don't, you shouldn't be calling conspiracy with the people around you because they're just trying to find an answer. They're just like, they're combing over the, the, the broken pieces of this world. And they're trying to find some kind of an answer. And God is saying, I have an answer. My answer is forthcoming. So God is declaring an invasion. God has declared his intention, which is therefore inevitable, um, which will be the inevitable outcome of human history because God has sent us his representative. The government will be upon his shoulders because he is the only one. Aren't you glad that the government will someday be upon his shoulders? Do we ever get government right? No. We're about as close I think it's Winston Churchill who said democracy is an awful mode of government. It's just better than everything else out there. You know, so, but every time human beings are given the task of governing, it's always a colossal failure. There will always be breakdowns. There'll always be problems within that because we are fallen, we are flawed, and we are dishonest, and we are schemers, and all kinds of things happen to come into all of that stuff that always cause it to break down. But the day is coming that the government will be upon his shoulders. As a matter of fact, it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's why you and I can come to church together like we did here this morning. And despite whatever's going on and all the stuff that's out in the world and fearful things, get together and sing. Out of, the, out of the depths of our being, out of the depths of our heart, out of the depths of our spirit, we can sing these triumphant words. And he will reign forevermore, forevermore. We, and, and did you feel the hope in that? Did you? Right? I don't, I don't see how you couldn't. I don't see how, if, if you came into that, you, you might not have been in church for the past 30 years. But if you happen to walk into that this morning, you had to be moved by that. Because that is God's liberated people singing praise and giving glory for this great liberation. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, man, I'm going to be careful. I might go over the edge here this morning. It's so great. But <clears throat> So this is our story. This story pertains to us, unto us. I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more down the road. But wait. There's a backstory here. 
there's another story behind all of this, and that's the center of the story. That's the heart of the story. And I don't, I've never covered this, in a, certainly in a Christ, Christmas message, but it's going to take us into Revelation chapter 12 and into some very interesting information that is related there, a vision that um, John sees in Revelation chapter 12, and that is really the setting for so much that, um, that the, the whole story of the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, is really set on top of that story. Let me take you there. <clears throat> so we're going to Revelation chapter 12. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and 10 horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Real Christmassy, huh? (laughs) Hang with it, hang with it. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Okay, now I'm not going to get into trying to um, give any answers to what any of that means. 1,260 days, you know what I mean? It turns into three and a half years. All, all of these things that are in the book of Revelation, we love to kind of look at that. Well, look at that. This many days fits. We're not going to get into any of that. Where, where is the secret place that prepared for the Uh-uh. We're not going to get there. We just, we want this setting. We want this, uh, um, we want this, this picture to be set out before us. <clears throat> and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Uh, Okay, so the great dragon um, was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Oh, what a great word. Therefore, rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has only a short time. Now when, do I still have that? Okay, now when the dragon saw, 
Okay, yeah. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. <clears throat> and then there's, a, there, there's some, other, some other of these revelation-like things of the earth opening its mouth and swallowing the water that's gushing. And again, I just kind of bypassed that and then got to the end of it, I think. Uh, yeah, and the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So much of the story, the Christmas story, has to do with the details. Where he was born, how he was born, under what circumstances, the prophetic details, all these prophecies, 300, 300 plus of these prophecies actually in, uh, contained in various different places in the Old Testament. No, no religious leader uh, in, any, in any tradition in any, has even one word of prophecy. Not one. There's not one word, prophetic word about Muhammad. There's not one prophetic word about Confucius or no, no, no religious leader of any particular tradition has one word. Jesus has over 300, but you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are the least among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall he come who is to be ruler over my people Israel. Bang! Right? Yeah. Bang! You know, um, for unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Right? Another one. They are, they are strewn all throughout the Old Testament. Prophetic words. So, and oftentimes our, I, I mean, I, I, I get way into it at Christmas time because I think that's so persuasive that people wrote things 1,000 and 900 and 700 and 500 years before Jesus ever even appeared on this earth and nailed it. Nailed it. Things that when, when the wise men come to Jerusalem, where's the king that, that's supposed to be born? Oh, they got together. We know where he's going to be born. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's in the word. And so all of the, so many different things um, about uh, the story of Christmas, you know, get our attention at this time, and they're all wonderful. They're all interesting. But this is different. This, this is not about what Jesus did. This is about who Jesus is. That's really, really important. Because you see, we'd, we wouldn't want to get caught up like the world gets caught up in like all the externals and all the superficialities. This is the meat right here. For unto us a child is born, and the government will be upon. This is, a, this is God saying, this is where all of this is going to go. This was predetermined. This was prearranged. This is the way it's going to be. And of the increase of his, the government will be upon his shoulders, and of the increase of that government and peace, there will be no end. And who's going to get this done? The zeal of the Lord of hosts. He's going to get it done. Hallelujah. I mean, this is just the most encouraged. This, this takes us out of the gloom and the despair and the frustration and the fear and all of the angst of this world and its manipulative ways and its crazy policies and practices, and it just delivers us from that whole thing because we got the word. The word is... God has sent his guy down here. His guy, it's all going to be, all government is going to be upon his shoulders and he's going to really handle it. And it's really going to be good. And what it's going to bring forth is peace. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. One, one more thing that is very interesting about that whole Revelation 12 passage that I um, just read to you or shared with you. Have you, want, have you ever wondered why it is that there's anti-Semitism in the world? You just found out. There is anti-Semitism in the world because of two words. Unto us. We'll finish it off. Unto us a child is born. Now that we're, we, we are included in that, it's, you know, first degree or um, first person plural, that we fit in there, we're part of the us, right? However, that really is much more relevant or much more pertains to the Jewish people themselves, right? When Isaiah was writing that and the people who were reading it, that was like uniquely Jewish. Unto us, unto the Jews, a child is born. Unto the Jews, a son is given. Um, And his name shall be called Wonderful, the, the whole thing. But, um, and imagine the, the, the disaster, the tragedy that we come across when it says, he came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. So here's the plan. It's like all set. God has said, that's what I'm going to do. And then finally sends his player, his son, his only begotten son into this world. And what happens? They reject him. What a catastrophe. What a catastrophe. The good news is, the, is that the fact that because Israel rejected, the plan has gone out. God says, all right, we're moving forward with this thing anyway. Take it to the Gentiles. That was always part of the plan anyway. So it's not as though that was plan B. God's salvation was to come to all people. Remember that through, through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God, there, salvation was always planned for all of humanity. But unfortunately, the Jewish people drop the ball, but we still come into this. But if you wonder why the world hates or always hates or why the Jews always find themselves on the dark side of hatred and persecution, it's been, it's, it, it has existed throughout all of their history. The reason is in that passage that I said before. The woman who is standing there clothed with the sun, moon, and stars, and all of a sudden she's pregnant, she's crying out in labor in the pains of birth, and, and then she brings forth this, uh, her baby. Her, it's, it's a son. What is this all about? This is all about Israel. That woman is Israel, and she brought forth the child, and waiting to devour that child is the dragon of course, we know who the dragon is. It said so in the Bible. It's the old serpent. It's the one who's called Satan. So that dragon, that dragon has hated that thought that unto them a child is born, unto them a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and, and he'll, this is, Satan is enraged by this. Satan hates every aspect of this, starting with the Jews, who brought Jesus into this world. Starting with that great fulfillment that somehow through this, through this group of people who are, who are wayward and wandering all over the place throughout the Old Testament, just doing one thing wrong after another and needing to be sent off into exile and brought back and restored. And you know, it, it's just, a, it, the Old Testament is just a roller coaster of Israel's story. They're up, they're down, they're good, they're bad. And, and out of this people, God, I, I, I just kind of have this vision of God just like keeping it. All right, we're getting, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're almost there. And then we get to 
um, that, that verse that's found in, in um, Galatians chapter four. Um, for, at the, at, for when the time was, what is that? Um, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that are under the law. Hallelujah. And so that, you see how deep this is? I mean, hope you can see how deep this is. This is more important than anything. This is the future. This is where everything is going. And and the most important thing that you have to ask yourself is, are you on board? Now, we all got lives, we all got businesses, we all got jobs, we all got responsibilities, we all got families, we all got lots of things. To what extent have you said, I am on board. I love the, in, in Revelation chapter four, we have this picture of, you know, the, the elders and this innumerable multitude and all of the angels in Revelation chapter four, and they begin to give glory and they all, foul, they all fall down on their faces. And it's kind of like, you know, a, a, a person who didn't understand what that text was all about might, might think, what's with God? Has God got some kind of a megalomaniac and everybody's got to fall down and everybody's got to worship him and everybody, you know, kowtow to him and stuff like that? But that is not it. In that, in that Revelation 4 setting, we are still in a world of rebellion. And those people are saying, I'm on the Lord's side. And they fall down. That's what worship is, really. Worship, it, singing is part of it and Raising hands if, 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 if you have the freedom to do that, I hope you do. You know, all, all of the accoutrements um, of, of worship, they're all, all that is, is great, but really, what worship really is, is surrender. It is surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Total surrender, complete surrender, right? And so in, in that picture in Revelation chapter four, there are these people and they are making it clear, boom! I'm down, I'm on the Lord's side, I'm, wor- I'm a worshiper of God. Are you? Are you a worshiper of God? Are you part of the team? Have you felt the call? Are you one of the ecclesia? Are you one of the called out, called out of the world and called into light, called into truth, called into fellowship with God? Oh man, this is, this is what it's all about. That's why it's so cool to come to church on Sunday morning. Right, Jim? Praise the Lord. Amen. So, one more. I think we got another. another. Okay, so, we go back to, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Oh, you, there's just, every one of these things is a message, right? Wonderful Counselor, yeah, we could probably do 30 minutes on Wonderful Counselor, right? What do we got? Mighty God, can we do, is that a message? Sure, it's a message, right? Everlasting Father, yeah, that'll, that'll give us, that'll preach. Would you say there, Pastor Joe? Right? Prince of Peace. Now, so all of these are um, a message, and we can't really delve into them this morning. But let's just think for a second. Wonderful Counselor, the one who is the one whose advice, the one whose life guidance, is wonderful, is excellent, is praiseworthy and perfect. You see, the only thing that God wants 
for you. God doesn't want anything from you, except your heart, perhaps. Your heart, your allegiance. That's, that's the one thing we can give to God that we truly have to give. But other than that, God doesn't want anything from you. He wants everything for you and I. He doesn't want your life to be wrecked somewhere. He doesn't want your life to be hurt or broken more than it needs to be. As, as we pass through this world, he wants to protect us and keep us. He wants to give us wisdom and, and insight and understanding about this world that we're living in so we don't get entangled in the stupidity of it. Right? So, we, it's, so we're not deceived by it. That's all that God wants to do is to protect us. And so he's, his counsel is wonderful. His advice his life guidance is wonderful. I, Jesus would be worth following if he wasn't deity. If Jesus was just a man, he would still be the greatest man that ever lived. He would still be the most perfect, excellent human being that ever lived. He, would be the, he is the only person on this planet who is worth following. Right? keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Yes, think of him, consider him, lest you be weary and discouraged in your minds, right? Keeping Jesus at the center of our gaze and our focus. Why? Because he is the one who is wonderful in counsel. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father he is the Prince of Peace. As I said before, most of our stories you tell about uh, the events and the, the details of Jesus. This piece of scripture tells us who he is. He is, so, so don't get confused about a little baby in a feeding trough. Just saying. You know what I mean by that, right? Don't, don't let that be your understanding of Jesus because it's, it's just not right. It's just not fair. It's wonderful that he would have done such a thing, that he would somehow reduce himself down. I mean, what's more helpless than a baby? Right, and he does it, and, he, and, he, and then entrusts the baby to these two human parents. I mean, what, what, a, what an amazing story. And, and just to think that, as I said before, this is God's secret weapon. Ah, I'll fix it. He's gonna send into this world a little baby. What a glorious, what a glorious reality. But that little baby's grown up, and that little baby is now the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. It is all going to be on his shoulders. I know right now it doesn't look that way. Right now, Satan is still enthroned as the God of this world. Ephesians chapter two says so, other places say so. But he is on notice. And that's why in that passage of Revelation it says that Satan has come down having great wrath because he knows his time is short. You gotta be strong to be a believer. You have to be strong to be able to withstand all of the junk that Satan will come throw at you and the temptations. But scripture says, blessed is the man that endures temptation for after he has tried, he will receive the reward of the crown of life which the Lord will give to those who have loved his appearing. Do we love his appearing? Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Right? That it, it brings us right to the very heart of that whole spirit that was upon Isaiah when he wrote all of these things so long ago. It brings us into that hopeful spirit. That's hope. This world is not gonna end by petering out. You know, there, 
if, if we were looking to this world for answers, you know, maybe, maybe you're thinking, yeah, global warming, that's gonna mess us all up, and so we need to fix all that stuff up, or you know, once we, we, we're looking for world peace here, try, none of that is ever going to happen. What is going to happen is that more and more and more of the government will be upon Christ Jesus' shoulders, and at the end of all this, all authority will rightly be invested in him, and he will rule, and he will reign over this planet forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we're going to come back and sing that <coughs> another time. I asked the worship team to uh, the song that we opened up with, which is just a magnificent, triumphant declaration of God's glory, of his, of, of, of his victory, of the victory of Christ Jesus. Are you with me? But uh, let, me, let me close with, or, or just bring to your attention that whole notion that you're, you, you, can't have a, you can't have a foot in the world and a foot in the Lord, especially not these days. You gotta have two feet in the Lord. You gotta be eyeballs deep in your relationship with Christ and it, in order to protect yourself from getting waylaid by some stupid thing that's coming down the road, right? So, there's no way to be half-hearted about this. Jesus was not half-hearted about our salvation. <clears throat> I don't think we should be half-hearted about it either, right? He gave it all. We give it all. And so that's the challenge. Are, are you in? Are you part of that? <clears throat> and that's, that's the question that we have for you this morning. Have you, have you yourself, for yourself, opened your own heart and said, Lord, come and be my Lord. Come and be my Savior. I need a Savior. I need a wonderful Counselor. I need the mighty God. I need the everlasting Father. I need the Prince of Peace. You with me? Amen. Let's sing it together. And if, 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 that, if, if that's resonating in somebody's heart, I'm not going to ask you to get up and walk down right now, but you need to find out about that. You, need, you can ask me. You can ask any of our people, anybody that's up on the stage. You need to find out. And I'll tell you right now, I can convince you to become a Christian. I know I can. I can convince you that you need Jesus Christ. It'll be the Spirit who does the, the grand finale is only when the Spirit of God makes that happen. Uh, and I can take you right down the road and show you why you must receive Christ into your life. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Lord God, we just pray over this, this wonderful group of folks that you've drawn together here this morning. Thank you, oh God, for the work that you're doing in every life. We're so grateful that you've not left us to ourselves. You've not left us to this dark and discouraging world, but you have, you have given us a portion of hope that is unbelievably extraordinary. So we thank you, oh Lord God, for all that this season brings to us, and we pray that we'll be able to return honor to you, praise to you, thanksgiving to you. You are the only one who deserves it because you did not strive for any when you were here. You gave it all away. You gave it up. And now it all comes back to you. Um, the words of Pastor Steve are ended. Never. We'll sing some now. <laughs> <laughs>